I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 2. No more interruptions now. When I, when I signed Bibles, which I don't know where that started, but anyway, I'm fine with it. I just signed Brother James's name when I signed it. I use a verse from the text that I'm going to give you tonight. And this message will be very different from the next one you're going to hear. And we go, we're going to need that message. Brother James is going to preach on compassion, I understand again. We need that. But that's not my message. You know, a lot of times we get to the place where we just want that magic pill that makes everything all right. You, you know, there's no one subject, there's no one thing that that's true about. We needed the message that Brother Joe was preaching about watching and praying as much as we need any message. But you know, sometimes you get on that, and, and I've seen Christians, they get all excited, and okay, their whole Christian life is about prayer. And then you can do that to the detriment of watching your own life or sin that will creep into your life. And Brother Al talked talk just about that and the way we think about things and think about other people. And then we can seemingly maybe get that handled, but maybe our witnessing isn't what it ought to be. And then we get on that hobby horse for a while and we think all oh, the Christian life is about witnessing. But you know, the truth is that there's so much about the character and life of Jesus Christ, it takes a whole lot more than one sermon. It's not just a sermon, it's a, it's a whole life, it's a big book that we have. That's why the fruit of the Spirit, though that's singular, there's many words connected to it. And there's so many things about the character of Christ and the things of the Lord that we need in our life. We'll never be able to find that one and it be over. That's a journey that we take till, we, till we're like Him. But my subject tonight, and it does not contradict or interfere with the message that's to come. And I think it's hard sometimes, but I'm, I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you want to be a strong Christian? You know, we live in a society and a culture that glorifies weakness. I don't know if you've thought about that very much, but that's what kind of culture we live in. It glorifies weakness. It exalts heartache. It deifies tragedies, and it emphasizes the unfair. And what I want to tell you tonight, that's not where the Lord wants you to live. You know, I'm so thankful for the sufferings of Jesus Christ, but I want to tell you right now tonight, He's not suffering. I'm thankful tonight for all that Christ went through on my behalf as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, but He is on the victory side tonight. And that's where he wants you and I to live. I, I want that victorious Christian life. And we'll, there's no way that we'll be able to live that without being strong. Victory only comes to the strong. And that's what is written in our text tonight. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You know, we have a lot of weak people in, in, in the world. We have weak church members. And I, I don't expect every Christian to be strong. But man, if you've been saved any time, you need to get with it. God doesn't want you to be a baby or weak all your life. And it's not, it's not a mark of spirituality to be discouraged or to be weak. That's not how God wants us to live. And the book says, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, not please ourselves. Well, if there's nobody strong, then there's nobody to bear up the burdens. If there's nobody strong, there's nobody to carry the load. Somebody's got to be strong. God needs some strong churches. God needs some strong Christians. He needs some strong mothers that know God and some strong fathers and some strong young people and children that are strong in the Lord. That's what He needs. And you can be that or it wouldn't be in the Bible. And so the Bible says this. He gives us a pattern for it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Thou, therefore my son... 
be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would grant that child of God the strength that they need. Lord, how we need strong Christians. Lord, we want to be good children of God. We want to be those that can bear the load and run the race and finish well. Give us the understanding of how to live a strong Christian life. We'll praise you for that help in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, he says in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He is admonishing Timothy that he needs to be strong, much like Moses admonished Joshua. Be strong, of good courage. He said that on two occasions before he died, Moses did in the end of Deuteronomy. That wasn't enough. God turned right around after Moses died and looked at Joshua and gave him the same message. He said, be strong of a good courage, and emphasize that. Here, Paul does the same to Timothy because he knew what he was going to need, and he said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So first of all, being strong means that you're strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, you understand what grace is. That's not something that you've earned or you've merited or you've mustered enough strength for. Grace is a free gift of God. Grace is the favor of God. It is the acceptance of God. It is the smile. Grace is something that only God can do. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would get our strength from what God has done and God has given us and how God has accepted us, the amazing grace of God should be enough to strengthen my life. In other words, God is the source of my strength. His grace upon me should make me strong. I was preaching on Jonathan. Would you look back there in chapter 23 of 1 Samuel? We've heard it said so many times that our strength comes from the Lord and we've quoted the verse, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. But somehow there's a disconnect because the same God that loves me is the same God that loves the weak Christian that seemingly can never get victory over their sin or overcome the things of the world. What gives? Why do a multitude of churches don't have that strength that they need in the grace of God? Why? Why? What, what's, the, what's the deal? It should be automatic. It didn't come from us. It comes from God. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, and you remember our little analogy of Jonathan as a type of Christ, he said in 1 Samuel 23 verse 16, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood. Watch how it says it and strengthened his hand in God. Boy, I like the way that words. Jonathan comes to David, and I'd say David's a strong man. By the way, that's also how you can know that these messages don't contradict, they overlap. I mean, you have never seen a more strong individual than David, right? I mean, if you can chop off people's heads, brother. But you know what David was? He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He had the most tender heart. You see, that's the character of Christ, bringing both of those things together. Bringing the sweetness together with the boldness. That early church prayed for boldness. You know why? They needed it. They needed that strength to face the day. They wanted that victory that was only in Christ, but he, he could give it to them. And Jonathan comes to David in the wood as he's in all of his troubles, and he grabs the Bible says he strengthened David's hand in God. 
I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know how to put that in my mind. Did he take David's hand and put it in God's hand and strengthen his hand? Or did he take David's hand and said, David, God's with you, David. God's with you. Was it the hand of God? In Psalm chapter 89, I believe it is. Turn over there. The Bible talks about how God strengthened David. We do understand. You do understand that it was God that strengthened David. I never forget we were translating the Bible in Romania. And we got to the verse about where David says that he, uh, a, a bow of steel is broken with mine arms. And some of the brethren in the other parts of Romania said, well, no, that can't be real steel. I said, that's real steel. I said, well, steel wasn't invented yet. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. It's in the Bible. Steel, steel. We're going to translate it steel. How do you know what was there? Well, it's just impossible. A man cannot break a bow of steel with his arms. I said, well, he can't, he can't do that with a lion or a bear either. God supernaturally gave David strength. Are you listening to me? It was not that David was in there working out. Isn't it crazy how the world pictures Samson with all these muscles? What if Samson looked like this boy right here? Stand up, son. Yeah, that's right. What if Samson looked like him? There wasn't anything impressive about David. God. God made him strong. You think he can make you strong? It's his grace that'll do it. It's not. It's his favor that'll do it. He said in Psalm 89 verse 20. Psalm 89 verse 20, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established. Watch it. Mine arm also shall strengthen him. It was God's grace. It was God's arm that strengthened David. David, the same writer, writes Psalm 138, verse 31, or verse 3, and he says this, In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. He said in Psalm, St. David, Psalm 27, verse 14, wait on the Lord. You know it. We quote it. It's easy to quote. It's harder to experience in our life. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Same writer wrote Psalm 31, 24, be of good courage. Listen. And he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. What I'm saying is God, in His grace, put His hand on David and strengthened him. I read the same thing that happened to Ezra. Can you imagine going with all those Jews back from captivity and all the dangers that they faced going back into that land? How are we going to get through? How are we going to make it? How are we not going to be annihilated when we get back? Ezra says this in Ezra 7.28, I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord, my God, was upon me. It was the grace of God that made him strong. You know the verse, Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Would you go to Daniel chapter 10? You say, preacher, if that's true, why do, I, why do I not have the strength of the Lord? Why do I have so many fears? Why do I have so many defeats and failures and discouragement? And why can't I be a strong Christian? And why can't I be victorious over my sin? There's something about the grace of God that's missing. There's something about the grace of God that's missing in our lives or we would be strong Christians because if we are strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, it's very evident in our life. I think our weakness tells on us. I think our weakness tells something about our spiritual life that maybe that we can't put our finger on or others cannot see. It's something about the grace of God that you do know the Bible talks about people failing of the grace of God. You do know the Bible talks about people falling from grace and that has nothing to do with salvation. I wonder what that's about. 
When I'm not strong, it shows that the grace of God is not at work in my life. Daniel, I love this. Be strong in the grace, you see, that is in Christ Jesus. Daniel chapter 10, the Bible says in Daniel 10, look at verse number 18 with me. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Maybe we can't even be ready for God and ready for God's Word until we get some of that weakness out of our life and the touch of God will take the weakness out of The touch of the grace and hand of God will take the weakness away. And maybe we have told upon ourselves as a weak church and a weak generation of believers that the grace of God has not manifested itself in our life because we're missing the touch. We're in the church house, but we're missing the touch. We got the Christian clothes on, but we're missing the touch. It's not that Daniel's a bad man. Daniel's just in his weakness here. But when through the grace of God, not the efforts of Daniel, but through the grace of God, when God reached down and touched Daniel, be strong, he was strengthened. And said, I'm ready to listen, Lord. You know, some people are so wiped out they can't even hear God. They've been lying in their weakness so long that the message of God is so, so far away and so unapplicable seemingly to their life because of the weakness. Should preach you if the grace is unmerited and you're saying we're failing of the grace of God, what gives? He says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Well, I read something else in the Bible. He tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He'll lift us up. And He also says in that text in James that God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. Could it be that all of our weaknesses are connected with our lack of humility which disconnects us from the grace of God and the strength of the Lord? 1 Peter chapter 5, watch this. Boy, I want to see some strong exploits from the things of God and the people of God. We've got to be strong in that grace. And he said in 1 Peter chapter 5, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says in verse number 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. How's that for good Christianity? There's not a lot of submission in Christianity. From your house to the church house. Not a lot of submission. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Keep reading. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Keep reading. Keep reading. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. How many of you read that verse and tried to apply it to somebody that's down on and weak and needed help? How can you disconnect that, that verse from clothing yourself with humility? Next verse. Be sober, be willing, because your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring, uh, seeking who may be, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking who may, be, who may, he may devour. Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. What well, takes some strength to do that? Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that, watch it, watch it, 
after that ye have suffered a while make you perfect, establish, what's the next word? Strengthen, settle you. Boy, preacher, I'd like everything to settle down in my mind, in my heart, in my family, in the world, in society. I'd like it all settled. Oh, preacher, I'd like to get that strength of God in my life that I need. God says, what you need to do, you need to suffer a while. We're fixing to get into it. We're fixing to move into another. You know what we're, you know what we're wanting? You know what mentality we got? We're praying for deliverance instead of strength. Our verse that I put in people's Bible, thou therefore endure, endure, endure hardly. We want deliverance instead of endurance. You know what that's a mark of? That's a mark of weakness. We want the absence of the problem. We want the absence of difficulty. Why? It is a telltale sign of how weak I am. We want an easy life and an easy Christianity. We want everybody to leave us alone. We want it not ever to be a hardship to live for God. We want people to speak well of us and we want to interact without difficulty and be comfortable in life. And it's just an evidence of weakness. You see, it was the grace of God that made all those people strong through their humility and their weaknesses and their sufferings and their affliction. What did our what did the dear apostle Paul say? Yeah, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, God, get it away from me. Let it pass from me. I, I get me out of this, God. Get me out. He said, No, no, no. It's good for you, Paul. So my will be made perfect in your weakness. Hmm. That grace of God is what makes us strong. And I think, guys, if I can say this, we have had it so easy that we're weak as water. We're not strong in faith. We're not strong in prayer. We're not strong in character. We don't have the power of God to, 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 to affect most anything, because we have had it so easy all of our lives. And now maybe when God turns up things a little bit harder, we say, oh God, please take it away, make it easy again. And he says, my son, be strong in the grace is in Christ Jesus. Because see, we will be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. It's the grace of God. It's the Spirit of God. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. We don't put those words together. Go back to our text. I preached long enough on that first verse. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, my guys, I, I want this, I want, I want it strong. We need strong churches and strong preachers and strong prayers and strong witnesses and somebody strong enough to bear the load and the infirmity and carry the weight. He says it'll start with that being strong in grace. And he said, verse 2, and the things. Now thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same, what's that word? Commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. Strong in commitment. In other words, you can't be strong without commitment. As a matter of fact, verse 2 says, we're wasting our time committing things to people's care that are uncommitted. We have to be committed to Christ and then we need to commit the things that God's given to us to faithful men. A faithful man is a committed man. A faithful man is somebody you can count on. Oh, we're running short of commitment these days. Men aren't committed to their wives. Wives aren't committed to their husbands. People aren't committed to their beliefs. They're not committed to their relationship with God. 
probably the, the measure of our strength can also be measured by the measurement of our commitment to God. How committed are you to God? How committed am I? You know what? Most people are about as committed as far as their children or grandchildren are going to live. Can I say that again? Most people's commitment will run just as far as, as Johnny or Susie or my children. And that's not strength. You know what that shows? That shows weakness. And if we faint in these days of adversity, we're just showing our strength was small anyway. And, and, and if it's all wrapped up in our kids, it shows I didn't have any strength to begin with. My commitment has to be deeper than my children. Jesus loved me. Jesus died for me. Jesus saved me. Jesus has a place in heaven for me. My children didn't do that for me. I love my children, but my commitment's got to be deeper. You know how many people, they're not committed to their church. I mean, people with church nowadays is like, you know, the kiddies with their girlfriends and boyfriends. They just change as often as they will. <laughs> I like this one better today. We've got about three or four families in our church recently. They wanted to join the church, and I said, well, I'll let you know. I just don't want people to join. I want people to be committed. I want a commitment. I'm tired of this coming in and falling out. I can't count on you. You just sit long enough. To, if you can take the preaching for a while, maybe you can commit to this family. We don't like one night stands. We want a real family. This is God's work. Quit hopping around. Quit spiritually shacking up. Have a commitment. Put some roots down. I won't tell you who said it, but there's a pastor down in Deland, Florida. And you probably don't know him, but they they have a building program. And he got up in front of, you can't believe a man would say this to his church. He got up in front of his whole church and said, you know, we'd like to get involved in this building program. It's going to take a lot of money, but there's a few problems. And he said, one of the big problems is not the money. One of the problems is some of you aren't going to be here before it's over, before it can even get built. We're building a building for people that ain't even going to be there to fill it. That's true. You just can't count on people anymore. You know, if you were a business owner, you wouldn't want to hire a worker that way. I'm talking about commitment. We want, we want to be strong in the Lord. Well, get committed. Somewhere, anywhere. If we, we, had, we had a family leave our church about a year ago, and somebody said, oh, so-and-so left the church. I said, well, if they can go somewhere else and be committed, they need to go. But you know the problem? You know the problem. Lack of commitment. Hmm. Strong. Strong in the grace of God, strong in commitment. I hurry, verse number three. Thou therefore endure, what's the word? Hardness. As a good soldier, strong in endurance. Give me your best shot. Enduring. Enduring what? Hardness. We got, we, we are, guys, guys, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching. We are, we are the soft generation. We are the marshmallow people. You might as well admit it. You can say all you want about the snowflake. We are as soft. You know how soft we are? I guarantee you, I guarantee you. Everybody in here, you've got a thermostat in your body. I, I, I don't understand this. And in the summertime, two degrees, you're freezing. And in the wintertime, if the building is two degrees the other way, you're freezing. You literally have to keep people within two degrees. 
Or they are either burning up. I got people sitting in my church and they're they're, they're going. And I got people in my church got blankets at the same time. We are so used to it being. This can't be hard. Hey, hey, I love my soft mattress. I do. I mean, guys, we've got it so hard. We've got it so hard in this, in this political environment that when we sit in our cars, we can push a button and it'll go right where it wants to go. I was driving to Florida. I looked and I noticed, oh, it's when I was coming down here, oh, in the 80s. I'd only turn on my air conditioner. I got this little button in the middle. I got an air conditioner blowing on my bunkie. <laughs> and on my backside. Because it's got to be easy. Right? Guys, we got to have it so easy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is the weakness of our lives. This week, Brother Fuller put me on the top floor of the hotel. I, you know, as I, I meditate while I, before I'm preaching on something, and I went up that elevator the first night, and the Lord said, uh-huh, you're going to preach to him about how, how easy it is. So all week I've been walking five flights of stairs. <laughs> up, down, down. Boy, the first time, up. You know, the more you do something hard, guys, we've got it so easy. And when it gets a little bit of hard, a little bit hard, we want to step back. Jesus said, "Those that have no root in themselves so endure, but for a time." Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. People are offended because they can't take anything. They just can't take anything. We had a missionary to Iraq in our church. He and his family. They had to come home because of COVID. They've been living in the country of Jordan for about five years. And at the end of this month, they're flying to go into Baghdad to live. And they came to church and they were so happy because, and we sat down at the table after church and both the man and the woman said, said, Pastor, we don't want to offend you, but we got to ask you a question. They said, sure. They said, is this so far out in the country that your people don't know we've had a pandemic? They said, do they know what's happened for the last year? I said, yeah. I said, never could have tell. And she said, we were so happy. We told our kids, this is church. Full, happy, like here, people singing, shaking hands. Well, I better not say that, I'm sorry. Mr. Fauci. Decided to be at church. And then she said this to me. She said, you know, before we went to the mission field, I had to get over something. She said, I had, to, I had to cross the bridge and come to the conclusion that I was willing to give my life for the Lord. Because my white face sticks out like, we're talking Iraq, guys. And they got three, and they got, they got two or three, they got two daughters, young daughters. She said, I had to cross that line. Said, okay, Lord, am I willing? Am I willing to give myself? She said, I had to make that decision before I went. We used to sing when we were young, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. That, that was the moniker of Christianity. Whatever it cost me, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go. She said, I had to cross. She said, that was hard for me. She said, and then I come back to America. 
And I said, what's going on with God's people? I had to be willing to die. And now this is too hard of an environment to live? There's something weak about our Christianity. And, you know, we've been spoiled. And I, I'm not going to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm just saying, couldn't we change our mindset and say, Lord, thank you how good you've been. Thank you how easy it's been. Guys, even in this environment, you know God's hand of protection has been all over us. He, we don't have it hard. We do not have it hard. We might get it hard, but we don't have it hard. But if we can't take it now, you can forget about it later. Just too hard to live for God. This is the easiest time in the world that Christianity's probably ever had to live for God. Hard. You know how hard it is? Some of you can't take your wife or your husband saying something ill to you. You can't even endure that. You can't endure a brother mistreating you or something. Everything's got to be perfect, got to be fair. You know what your problem is? You're weak as water. You need to get to God and let Him strengthen you. You need to endure hardness. It's good for us. And I tell you, if you don't, look, look at this same book. He said in chapter, we're in chapter 2. He said in chapter 2 and verse number 10, Paul said, therefore I, he's he not preaching something he's not willing to practice. Therefore I endure all things. Not for himself, I endure all things for the elect's sake. That they also uh, obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal Lord. He said, I, I'm willing to endure all things. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I, what's the word? Endured. It, it doesn't mean that he enjoyed it, but he endured them. You understand the difference between endure? Just take it. Guys, we've got to get, we've got to get tougher skin. We have to. He says, I endured these things. And then he said, verse 12, Yea, then all the will of God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. <laughs> he had to tell him, Peter had to say, Hey, don't think it's strange for the fiery trial that is to try you. It's some strange thing. Well, what happened? This is so strange. Oh, my goodness. The world doesn't like the church. Guys, they're not, they're not chaining us and dropping us in the water to see if we float. That's what they used to do. They're not tying us to poles and see if we'll burn. They're not sticking us in an arena and letting the lions loose and see if they're hungry. They're not doing any of that. Don't think it's strange. He said if it happens, just be glad. Oh, I'm so stressed out. I broke three nails today. I got a dent in the back of my car. The dog's got pneumonia. God, God needs to help me. I'll listen to the next message about compassion. But I tell you what, if I get one more church member calls me, tells me about him having a cold, I, I, I'm, I'm going to lose it. That's what I got. Pastor, the child doesn't have a fever yet, but it's like right on the line. I don't care. <laughs> you got people, you got Christians around the world being put to death. And what am I supposed to be worried about? And I got, we got to go get pills to cope because we can't live. And the refrigerator's full of food. And the closet's full of clothes. And the government's dumping money in your bank account. And you got to get a pill to get by. 
There is something wrong with our mentality about life. He says it might get hard and it'll be good for you. Because if you can't take that, and he said in 13 of chapter 3, evil men, seducers, whack worse and worse. It's not, it's not a shock. You know, guys, some of you think, some of you still think America is going into the millennium. Give it up. It'll help you sleep at night. Quit trying to take the White House into the kingdom. We are just so much more a part of the Antichrist system as every other stinking nation. We've got a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. We've got heavenly promises. We've got a heavenly king. Don't, don't get bent out of shape about it. I don't care anymore. I don't, I don't care. You say, well, that's pretty hard. If you don't have some hardness, you're going to have some weakness. And look at the next chapter. Chapter 4. Two, preach the word. Oh, I like that preaching. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Well, that's a little hard. With all long-suffering and doctrine. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the better part. Three, for the time will come when they will not. What's the word, church? I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take that doctrine. I'm not going to take that preacher. I'm going to turn my ears away from the truth. Verse 5, what if, well, everybody, everybody's turned away from the truth and I've lost my congregation and nobody listens to me anymore and I'm just isolated and I'm marginalized and nobody cares and what's happening in life. What do I do? Next verse. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists. Go find somebody else. Make full proof of thy ministry. Don't sweat it. You know what he's saying? If you can't take hard things, you're not going to take preaching. We have a soft generation. They don't take, they don't take preaching. You know why? Too hard. Guys, we have homogenized the gospel and the word of God so much to try to appease the easy that we've lost the power. We want to make it palatable. And you know what? I don't preach like I used to. Because I do want to reach people. I don't want the first message they hear to be the last message they hear. I, I don't. So what I try to do when I get out of the pulpit, I try to talk really nice to them. I am the sweetest, nicest person that you've ever met out of the pulpit. I am. And my church people laugh, and I say, that hurt my feelings. It's not. <laughs> but I am. But you know what? Jesus, you know, you can talk about the sermons you preached that were hard. I am never harsh with people privately because they can't take it. Jesus? What I say, we can be hard in the pulpit. When we get outside of the pulpit, we need to be gentle with people. Jesus looks at those discouraged disciples after his death, and they're just, man, they are just down the dumps. He says, you bunch of fools. He calls them fools. After telling us not to call people fools, he called them fools. <laughs> Privately, to their face. He looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. If I was Peter, I'd have went. <laughs> he said it right to his face. That's pretty rough. Looks at that Gentile woman begging him for her daughter. Says, I don't take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. That's pretty harsh, private conversation. You know what? There's somebody right here tonight. Something has come across the pulpit sometime in your life, and you says, that's just too hard. And you know what? God was trying to strengthen you. Hey, if it wasn't, I've had people, I've heard people say that, 
craziest things from the pulpit. So what? You know what? Guys, listen here. You know why you can't take what's on that TV and what's on that internet and what's marching outside that street? Because you can't even take what comes across the pulpit. <laughs> you said that doesn't sound like love. Charity endureth all things. I'm not saying that strength and endurance is being hateful or unkind. I'm just saying that strength means that you can take some stuff. Get over it and quit getting your feelings hurt. Abraham received those promises because he patiently endured. Moses was blessed because he endured. The Bible said that, that wrath of that faith. He endured. It was endurance that brought victory in Abraham's life. You think it was hard to wait all his lifetime without a child? He just endured it. Moses in that wilderness, thinking about what he could have had, he just took it. He endured it. He says you need to look unto Jesus in that same book. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And He went on to say in that same chapter in chapter 13 about that endurance that we ought to have as we look to Jesus who's our, our example of endurance. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself lest you be weary and faint in your mind. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. Quit fainting, get strong and get some endurance in your, in your, in your crawl. Paul, you're going to Jerusalem. They're waiting on you. They're going to bind you. They're going to put you in chains. They're going to throw you in jail. And then they're going to kill you. And we're not just saying this, and, and, and the Roman government's not just saying this, but the Holy Ghost is saying this. And even with the Holy Ghost saying that, you know what Paul said in Acts chapter 20? He said, so what? None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy. Three Hebrew guys, you're standing. Hey, he told us what he's going to do to everybody. Everybody's bowing. Everybody's got their mask on. I'm sorry. Everybody's bowing. What are you doing standing up there? Doing what we're supposed to do. Aren't you stressed out? Aren't you worried? Don't you need to get a pill? You're going to write a book about your horrible tragedy? You're going to glorify your weakness and tell us how bad you got it? No. We're just going to stand here. All right, the king's called you. You're in for it now. Yes, sir, Mr. King, you want to see us? Yeah. I'm going to give you one more chance. Well, we. it's all right with you. You do what you need to do, we'll do what we need to do. You don't understand. I'm going to heat this furnace, and I'm going to burn you boys alive. And they looked at the king, and I don't think they were arrogant, out of the strength in the hardness of their life that they had already endured. You think God took the children of Israel through the hard wilderness for nothing? They came out on the other side fighting victories and winning them. Those boys stood before the king and said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Doesn't bother us, king. You do what you need to do, we'll do what we need to do. We're not worried about it. That's why I said to those officers. I said, we're going to take you to jail. I said, okay, I wish you wouldn't do that, but you do what you need to do, and I'll do what I need to do. Angelo was standing right there with me. 
And God protected us through everything. It was great. And the police came down there in Greece. Man, we shook things up for the glory of God. Bless his holy name. Not us. It was just the word of God. It was God wanting to save people's souls. Those police said, they're going to come to you tonight. You've been out here preaching every night. And they've had it. This is it. This is the last night. And they're coming tonight. And they're going to beat you boys to a pulp. And we know it. And we're going to stand right over there and we're going to watch it. So you better shut up and go home and leave. I said, well, officer, I'm sad you feel that way. But you just do what you need to do and I'll do what I need to do. So here they come. Remember that, Angelo? There's about 150, 200 of them standing around. Had their sticks, poles. And the strange thing about that, because I'm a fighter, I don't, I don't like people getting up in my space, you know. But when they, when they started closing in and started getting a little violent, it was like the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, you willing to take a beating for me? You've been willing to preach, giving you a good life. Will you, will you take a beating for me? He just says it's going to happen. You willing to do that? There's about 10 or 12 of us Christians. I said, all right, guys, we're just going to get down here on our knees and we're going to pray. And while we pray, we'll just let them do what they want to do. We'll do what we need to do. And we got down and prayed, Lord. I said, Lord, I really don't want to beat him, but I'm willing. Give me strength that I could take a beating for you. And as they cursed, we just kept praying and praying. Pretty soon I looked up and that crowd just started backing off. Just backing off. You know, that's a real good story. That's a story of victory. You know what? It could just as easily have been the other way, couldn't it, Angelo? But you know what God says? I want you to endure hardness. If you can, live, if you can only live for me when it's easy, your Christianity is not real. Just take it and love me and do right. I got more to say, but I think we'll stop right there. Strong in the grace, strong in commitment, strong in endurance. And that last verse says that he may please him. Strength comes from, I tell you where strength comes from. Lord, I just want to please you. If I can just put a smile on your face, Lord, I just want to please you. Question. Do you want to be a strong Christian? Let's pray.